Imagine this. It's 1992, and one of the biggest songs in the world, The River by Garth Brooks, is playing on the radio. Of course you know it word for word. Because you co-wrote it. Your list of collaborators reads like a who's who of music. Lady Antebellum, Trisha Yearwood, Faith Hill, and too many others to mention. You even won two Daytime Emmy Awards. Pretty great for a kid born in New York City. So who are you? And what changed the game for you? Let's find out. You're listening to Game Changers, the podcast series with Brittle Star. Today's guest, Victoria Shaw. Hey, Victoria, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. It uh, was a super simple process and it required zero computer technical technical support. (laughs) So to speak, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you're super busy and, uh, of course, you're like one of the, you know, an incredibly popular and successful songwriter. Um, And for this podcast, we're kind of talking about those people, places, or opportunities that were real big game changers for people. So can you think back to, like, what was the game changer for you? Like, just sort of start, like, one of the first game-changing moments where you thought to yourself, oh, man, this is this is changing everything, my perception or my goals or whatever. Uh, let's see. I would say um, a game changer for me was getting a publishing deal, finally, mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. knocking around Nashville for years and years and years. Because... You know, that's what you you long for when you're trying to be a hit songwriter. I was actually trying to get a record deal as a singer, but my first goal was to be a hit songwriter and get noticed that way. Right. So finally, after eight years of knocking around in Nashville, I finally got somebody to take a chance on me and give me a publishing deal. And within 12 months later, I had three number one songs on the charts. That's crazy. It is crazy. And I mean, and I can't just say it's just the publisher. I mean, obviously, I wrote the right song at the right time. But uh, well, one of them I'd written with Garth. So, you know, but the other two were, as they say, pitched by the publisher Mm -hmm. and he got them cut and um, and he, you know, helped change my life. So that really, really was a defining year for me. Right. So, I mean, was that like was that fairly well into your career as a songwriter or was it like was it fairly early on or when did that happen? Well, I mean, I don't feel like I had a career as a songwriter until I had things cut. And then mm-hmm. ironically, the same year I had things cut, I had number one songs. Right. <laughs> so I was like nobody, absolutely nobody. And then God said, go. Yeah. <laughs> and um so it was really something, and I, I uh, just found uh, a letter, an old letter that I had written to a friend of mine. I used to write mm-hmm. like 10-page letters, so sometimes I would wow. c- copy them, so it was kind of like a journal as well. Right. And I was telling her, she lived in England, and I was telling her how I had this hit song, and they gave number one parties in Nashville, and I said, I always wanted to be included in that club, and now right. I'm in it. And it was just as special as I'd hoped it would be. So did you, when you had that, uh, or when you got the word that you were getting this publishing deal, did you look at that opportunity as like, oh yeah, this is, this is it. I'm, this is going to change the game for me. Oh, I did. I wanted yeah. it so badly. And it's very um, fitting that the only person that really took the, the chance on me was an artist who also had a publishing company because I was right. kind of writing left of center mm-hmm. and he wasn't afraid of that. And he saw my potential and, um, you know, he gave me a shot and that's all I needed. I just needed a shot. Right. <laughs> that's <laughs> you know? all it takes kids. Yeah. Just have a shot. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's interesting because talking to a number of people doing this podcast series and they all have sort of like, there's a person that seems to play a role in some way that sort of opens a door or uh, gives them an extra chance or believes in them or whatever it is. 
Uh, I mean, can you see those kind of things on the heart? Like when you meet people, do you sort of like look at them and go, oh, you're going to be an important person to me. You're going to be, you know, pivotal or, do, or like, can you, are you able, do you think people are able to tell that kind of stuff? Um, I don't know. I've been so wrong before. I've been right before, but, right. uh, you know, sometimes you think, oh, this is totally where it's supposed to go. And then yeah. it takes you somewhere completely different and it's where it really was supposed to go. Right. So good, bad, or, you know, uh, ugly or whatever, but, um, I'm not sure I have the best, uh, radar for that all the time. Right. Did you now when you were doing your getting your publishing deal, did you was it the first company you went to or was it a bunch of companies you went oh, it to? It was like the hundredth. Oh no. really? No, it was eight years of knocking around that town. Right. So right. no, I had a lot of rejection. And and the thing is, you know, when you're obsessed with something that you want to do, like literally it's mm-hmm. like breathing air, mm-hmm. you don't even think about it. Every time you get rejected, right. you just go, Oh, you're so dumb. How could you not see? You know, how could you not see I'm talented? Right. But um part of it though, looking back now, I realized in the early days some of the songs I was showing them was just really not up to par. But I was too dumb and too, you know, too uh, convinced of myself to to know that. But, um, but I, you know, I I really wouldn't change those eight years of knocking around for anything, because it made me a better writer, made me stronger, made me um, network and make more friends. And I think when finally success happened for me, the town was happy for me, because they know how long I've been trying. Right, right. So I mean, when you're doing that sort of eight years of, you know, the hard slog and you're you're putting in time and paying your dues, so to speak, all that mm-hmm. kind of thing, what's keeping you going? Is it just that sort of determination? Yeah, it was just complete stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it never occurred to me that I wasn't going to make it. It right. never, I mean, that's really either incredibly, you know, uh, you know, amazing bravado or just yeah. sheer stupidity. Yeah. I don't know. But it never occurred to me that if I didn't keep on keeping on, that I wouldn't eventually get where I wanted to go. And I what's was, Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. And what's cool, and I tell so many people that is, I thought I wanted to be a recording artist, which uh-huh. eventually I got a deal and that was wonderful. But really what I ended up loving the most and what really ended up being the most successful for me was being a songwriter. And so I had no idea. Had I not just started trying to make it as a as a recording artist and trying to get into this town, I would never have found um, my the fact that I could write. So you just got to keep walking and going through doors, you right. know. What's super interesting to me is talking to a number of people for this series. Um, there's a couple of common themes. One is that there's like a, a absolute sort of you know. St- pig-headed dis- determination and stubbornness of like, obviously, I'm going to make it. This is, this is I'm going to do this. I'm going to succeed at doing this in one way or the other. And the other one uh, is the fact that you have to be in motion for these opportunities to That's work. Right. That's right. You can't just sort of sit around waiting for these things to fall on your lap. No. And you can't be the best guitar player in your bedroom. You know, right. You can't be like a professional practicer. (laughs) Right. Um, You have to get out there. You have to get rejected. You have to have thick skin. And if you don't, this is the absolute worst career you could possibly (laughs) pick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, you know, and, you know, even to this day, people come up to me and they'll say, you know, I've been in this town two years and nothing's happening. You know, I'm thinking if nothing happens in another year, I'm going to go back, you know, and and go to nursing school or go back to college. And I always, and I, for me, I always thought, man, how do you put a timeline on a dream? Right. I, I mean, I think they're probably more logical and probably smarter mm. than me, but I never, it never occurred to me to give myself a time limit. It just, I, it was going to happen when it was going to happen. And I, I just kept moving forward. So when you got that deal and then you had your, your hits, uh, did each one of those feel like, oh, this is going to knock me to the next level? 
it was really fast. I mean, to have mm-hmm. nothing happen, nothing happen for eight, you know, actually more probably 10 years, but at least eight years. Right. And then to have this explosion, it was, um, it was amazing. And I'm thinking now, you know, what's funny is I was so busy writing mm-hmm. more. I don't think I actually stopped as much as I should have and taken it all in. I mean, I enjoyed it, but I was just trying to get to the next thing, which was my record deal, the next song right. I'm going to write. So uh, the number one parties that they have here for number one songs, that's a nice time to take a take a view, you know, take yeah. in the view and go, <laughs> wow. And then you get back to work, you know, the next day. <laughs> I, have a, I have a friend who uh, had a number one single in the UK and uh, he had been playing music for a long time, but I remember the first thing he did was he made it his ringtone. Oh, that's funny. No, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> well, to make, to make matters worse, he forgot his phone at the, uh, at the local pub and uh, had to call down the next day and say, uh, did my phone ring? Did it play this song? Yeah, that's my phone. That's hilarious. <laughs> no, I got to say, I, I, I haven't done that. <laughs> so as well as these, like, obviously things like getting a, a publishing deal is a huge deal. Getting these number one songs and stuff is a massive deal. But I mean, those are kind of, they seem like moments that are kind of out of your control or, or I mean it's kind of it seems like there's so many variables involved in making those things happen however do you think obviously each one of those things is a game-changing moment do you think you can actually manufacture those moments can you actually create those conditions no, no. It has to be a perfect perfect lovely storm no you never know you know what a game changer for me was meeting Garth but when I met Garth right. he, he was nobody right but he was definitely a game changer I had no idea he was going to be you know, but now so, here I am still connected to him 20 years later. So could you, so you had no idea when you met him, you weren't like, oh yeah, this guy is going to be an important player in my life. No, I really didn't. I really? Didn't, no. Um, I thought he was talented, you know, yeah. I, but I thought when he started talking about, man, someday I'm going to play arenas and I'm going to yeah. play, I'm like, oh, he's so delusional. Nobody does that in country. <laughs> <laughs> I've told that story in front of him a million times. Right. right. <laughs> so, you, I mean, you can't tell when these things are coming up. No. So, there's, so there's no way for you to sort of, the, um, what's interesting interesting to me is that uh, uh, there's a, there's always like a slight fear that I'm I'm passing a moment up that I'm missing something but I mean do you think that's possible to miss these game changing moments or do you think they I mean what I, one of my grandmother's sayings used to be what's for you will not go will not go by you meaning that you don't have to worry about it if it's important it's going to you're going to know it's important I guess think, I'm a little bit on the fence on that one because yeah. you still have to put your put yourself out there right you call my grandmother a liar no I'm calling her. (laughs) No, I'm just saying, I think now and nowadays, you know, it's a little more networking and a little less fate, (laughs) Um, you know, because you make your fate that way. I I don't think you have to take every single invitation. I don't think you have to go out every single night, but Mm -hmm. you should want to. I'm talking about show, I guess, in any business, you know, you want to go where those people are and you can't just stay home and go, I know there's a party. I should probably go because you might meet one person. I could be Mm -hmm. the secretary of the secretary Mm -hmm. of somebody you need. You just never know. You know? It's it's absolutely fascinating to me because there's such a common thread amongst talking to uh, all the people we talked to for this little series, and in various you know there's you know, people like Drew Scott who are doing TV stuff. There's uh, other songwriters like M. Griner, um, and then comedians like Adam Grow. Where it's it's you've got people who they all say the same stuff. You never know 
what connections are going to be the ones that really take off. So you kind of have to, you know, be right. in motion and do and right. do your thing. I mean, do you think Drew and Jonathan thought they were going to have a TV show when they just started flipping houses? They were just no. trying to make some money, you know? They were just but trying that to, was game-changing. They were just trying to make money for hair gel. They just wanted to make money for exactly. hair gel. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, you just don't know. You just got to keep, you know, being creative and doing stuff that you love. I think that's a really important part, you know? So that's that's the key to creating these, uh, the sort of the, the, the conditions for these perfect storms, these perfect game-changing storms, is to just be in motion just to yes. keep doing stuff i do i keep saying that just like uh, dory in uh, uh looking searching for nemo you know it's like mm-hmm. just keep swimming 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 yeah. just keep swimming. <laughs> and one of the other things that we talked about is uh how uh you know, there's there's sort of sets in like a responsibility almost. I think maybe that's maybe a strong word, but uh, that notion where you kind of try to make yourself available to others as a as a game changer in any way you can, or at least maybe a direction type thing. Do you think that's a, a thing? Do you think that's true? For me to be the game changer for somebody else? Yeah, just in general. Like, just as you were saying, like, a common thread is to say, you know, you never know. It might be the secretary of the secretary. It might be somebody just go out for a coffee with, and you genuinely just want to go out for a coffee with them. You don't have any other designs on anything. No agenda is what was mentioned by uh, M. Griner. Um, But, you know, do you sort of feel like, uh, are you able to realize when you are a pivotal person for someone? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am. I am. Because, I mean, I, I recognize myself in the young people that, you know, come up to me to, right. you know, ask me stuff or stuff that I, people that I work with. I also, when I end up, when I end up working with some young people, talent i do mm-hmm. think to myself man i would have loved a me back then yeah i had nobody going let me show you the way right right and are you sort of and been showing them the way that are they as part of that saying you know here's the techniques and here's all the like the the fundamentals of the crafts but uh, at the same time are you saying you should do this you should you know you should oh absolutely the, yeah. i want a partner i don't want to you know a parrot or a slave you know i want a partner even if i have all you know i have 25 years of experience ahead of you, mm-hmm. then you have to do your part, which is to, you know, uh, get out there, try to be, you know, learn from me, everything I'm taking, you know, take it all in, uh, right. you know, take my advice, all that stuff. It's, it's, you know, I want to see you taking it and using it for good, not evil. <laughs> right. Exactly. So there's a theory that people say you should just say yes to everything. Is mm-hmm. that, is that something that you agree with? Yeah, I do actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do. Uh, obviously, with unless reason. the thing you unless you've been saying yes over and over again to it's something that just li- always comes up uh, a wall, the negative, yeah, because yeah. yeah. then you have to be smart and go, okay, every time I do this, it's a negative reaction, it's a negative right. reaction. Then, then you must change something, change right. something, you know. Mm-hmm. So when we go back to those eight or so years when you're looking for a publishing deal and you're getting, you know, all those rejections. And I mean, I I remember back, you know, when I was in my mid to late teens, we did all the record company stuff and I could paper my room with rejection letters from record companies. Yes, me too. It's funny. I just went through my, I'm trying to declutter and I literally just threw out all my rejection letters. It's some of them are really, I like the ones that got the sort of like, uh, you know, a little bit of craft was put into them. We had, uh, we had one A&R manager said to us, this song is too long by several minutes. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> it was a three-minute song. Oh, that's funny. That's it's, hilarious. You're reading it, but you're going, oh. <laughs> but when you think back to those times when you're trying to get this publishing deal, because um, one of the things we've talked about is how these game-changing moments can sometimes be negative moments as well. So when you're getting those reaction or rejection letters, uh, did you find those motivating for you? Yeah, it, they pissed me off. They made you angry? Yeah. 
That's interesting. What do you mean? Well, it was just the, I'll prove, I'll show you. I'll right. show you. So it got your backup, basically. Yeah, but when I look at them sometimes, like the ones I was looking at recently, and I think of the songs I sent them, I thought, oh my gosh, of course they didn't take that song. <laughs> oh, well. But I mean, you ha- I mean, you have to keep going. As we said, you've got to keep sort of, you know, doing yes. whatever it is you want to do and getting yourself out there so that you get better. I think nobody starts something great. Yes. Is, is the sort of the key. It's true. So tell me what you're working on that you're most excited about right now. Um, well, there's a couple of things. One is a, a, a pop duo. They're actually twins, 16 year old mm-hmm. twins named Carly and Martina. And I have a okay. single out right now and it just came out, but it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you know, nowadays you don't have to be on a major label because, yeah. it, you know, it's like the wild west out there. And That's so right. it's only been out for a couple of weeks and it's already over half a million views. Oh and, my God. I mean, these kids have almost 200,000 Instagram followers. So I'm kind of putting my, uh, focus on this song right now it's called block his number and um Mm -hmm. yeah by carly and martina so i hope people check it out and you know go to spotify and check it out fantastic so do you think there's uh do do you need anything sort of uh, with the new mediums new let me phrase that again do you think that with how music has evolved the industry's evolved uh you know as you're saying it's kind of wild west you've got independent artists who are like you know charting and all that kind of stuff is that a good thing or a bad thing it's a fascinating thing. At mm-hmm. least, you know, it's, it's, it's starting, it hasn't figured itself out yet. It's right. because it, we're still trying to get, you know, fair pay or pay it all, you right. know, yeah. but it's a long way from Napster, you know, when it was yes, all stolen, yeah. you know, yeah. that changed, that was the game changer. I'll tell you, you know, mm-hmm. we all, all us songwriters, you know, we, we long for the glory days of the nineties when sure. nobody was stealing music and the money was, legit and coming through so Mm -hmm. um it is it's a different time out there but i think you know they're trying to figure it out new laws new everything and um i find it fascinating you know a little bit of a bummer at times but still fascinating and i'm keeping my hopes up that it'll settle somewhere you know yeah, I think, you know, I think you're right that that whole shift in uh, sharing music, you know, over the Internet, essentially, was a huge game changing moment. Yeah. It was, I mean, that was that when that happened, that sort of really kicked in, it became evident that that, you know, people weren't going to their local record store to buy stuff anymore. Was that what kind of impact did that have? Like, as far as your perspective go, what was your view on that? Well, people were stealing my music. My view yeah. was it was horrifying. Yeah. I, I'm all for the internet and I'm all for technology. You know, mm-hmm. if you can figure out a way to get more music to play on your whatever, but mm-hmm. not for free. That's right. like walking into a, a, a furniture store and taking a chair because you yeah. like it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's still property. It's intellectual property. And it was horrifying to see free exchange of my of my hard work. It's not for anybody, you know, it's not, that chair is not for you to take out of a store and my music is not for you to send to a friend for free, you know? Right. Exactly. So, um, it, it, it was a real, and you know, that's how I feed my family. So all Mm -hmm. of a sudden you're talking about taking food out of my kid's mouth. Mm -hmm. So I went and testified at Congress and, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, trying to make it all more legal. And I'm all for, uh, Internet, you know, music on the internet obviously sure. is our way of life now. But yeah. uh, thank goodness it's it gets to it's getting more regulated. Yeah, which I think is a good thing. And exactly. really, ninety nine cents. I mean, come on. Yeah, I know. Af- <laughs> I know. <laughs> People can afford that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, that's super exciting. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And um, where's the best place for listeners to find you? 
Uh, I guess Spotify or, you know, they can buy me anywhere that it's legal to buy me, <laughs> you know, anywhere online is that you can buy music legally. You can find me or Spotify. And I also, I hope people check out the, uh, song that Drew Scott and, uh, my friend Chad Carlson and I wrote mm-hmm. for, uh, Drew and Linda's wedding. Man, so, those two, I mean, it's, it's makes you sick though, doesn't it? They're so I sweet. Know. It is. But, and the song is called you chose me and that's, um, on iTunes and everywhere. I hope people check that out too. Cause it seems to be a new popular perhaps a new wedding song that's in the, you know, yeah, it actually, it's a great song. Thank you did a fantastic you. job on it. It was really, really great. And I, and a real trust, a real sort of testament to your talent because you made me forget that it was Drew singing. So that was good. <laughs> hey, Drew, it's really, he, he, he can hold his own. I'm really proud of him. <laughs> well, thanks again for joining us. Uh, my pleasure. You've been listening to Game Changers, the podcast series with Bristle Star. 